in the new year, Cadbury's made an announcement of a chocolate bar that was, or is, I should say, returning. I don't know if any of you have picked up on this. It was put out by somebody on Instagram who discovered the bar as well. They put pictures of it. It's Cadbury's Bourneville Old Jamaica rum and raisin chocolate. And uh, apparently this was uh, in the 1970s that it was uh, readily available for purchase. Um, but Cadbury's had an online poll to ask people what chocolate bar they would like to see returned. And the winner is this Cadbury's Bourneville uh, rum and raisin dark chocolate. This is what Cadbury's say about it. This delicious dark chocolate is one to be savoured. It is the perfect choice for the more mature palates and a real treat to enjoy, whether it be for the ultimate night in with friends or even at a dinner party. So there you go. I haven't tried it. Has anyone tried it here? Yeah, a few of you have. Is it worth trying? Yeah, I've got some thumbs up there. Maybe it's worth going on. As your chocolate supplies from Christmas diminish, maybe you could give this a go. What interested me as I looked at this was the packaging that has in the right-hand corner, it's got new, crossed out, and old. There is something about this that is both new and old. It's old because it originally existed in the 1970s. Not that I'm saying that anyone who existed in the 1970s is old. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But there's something that's old about it, but it hasn't been around for a while, so it's new. So it's the new, old thing. But it is new as well because there's a slight difference with it. Apparently, the chocolate is vegan. Uh, I guess back in the 1970s, there wasn't so much demand for vegan products. But today, this vegan product, this chocolate, is both new and old at the same time. Uh, and I share that with you because uh, the heart of the verses that I want to talk about this morning contains something that is old and something that is new. First of all, it said this in verse 7. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. So, it's something that is old. And then in the verse, next verse, verse 8, he says, Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. John is writing to us here about something that is old and something that is new. Uh, and the two things that I want to, first of all, say is it leads to a couple of questions is this. Um, first of all, how is this relevant for us today? And secondly, uh, as you look at this, it doesn't say what the actual command is. So what is the command that John is talking about here in this letter, this new command that's an old command, but is also new at the same time. Those two things that we need to look at. First of all, to say, how is it relevant for us today? Well, I believe that this is about love, this command, and I'll explain why in a moment. But as a church, over these first weeks of the new year, we have been looking at a series of messages that have the title, New. 
We're at the beginning of a new year. We're at the beginning of a new decade. And we're looking into the Bible to see some of the things that the Bible talks about being new, to see how it can impact our lives at the beginning of this new year and this new decade. So last week, for example, we talked about new hope. And I asked the question, how much hope do you have going into 2020? Today, I'd like to ask this question. How much love do you have going into 2020? How much love do you have going into 2020? And there's two parts to this, because we can ask the question from the perspective of how much love are you feeling from other people at this time? Uh, and we can also ask it from the perspective of how much love are we able to give out in this new year? How much love are we receiving and how much love are we giving out? How much love do you have going into 2020? First of all, let me say why I believe this command is about love. Uh, the reading that we've had comes from a letter. It's called 1 John. The Bible is split into a number of different books, uh, and there are different authors to those books. And in the New Testament, one of those authors is John. Uh, and John writes, well, first of all, he writes three letters. So we've read from 1 John, the first letter. There's also 2 John and 3 John. But John also wrote a gospel. Now, a gospel is the good news told to us about Jesus. Uh, and so John writes that book, a gospel, to tell us all about Jesus. And there are some clues we have in there as we look at his other writing that help us to understand uh, what he is saying. So play detective for a moment, if you will, and see if you can see the common thread in these verses. Now, there are three times that John, in his gospel, talks about a specific command to do something. Here they are, John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, says Jesus. Love one another. A few chapters later, chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this, again words of Jesus. Love each other as I have loved you. And a few verses later, verse 17. This is my command, love each other. Hopefully, you begin to see the connection between these verses and the new command and the old command that we are talking about this morning. But if you're not convinced yet, let me quote this from 2 John, his second letter. He says this, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning... His command is that you walk in love. Okay, so hopefully we can be on the same page here of saying, it might not say the word love in these two verses, but that's what it's about. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. The people reading this know what he's talking about. He's talking about love. Yet in some way, he's writing a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. 
So there's something new about this as well. So we're going to explore some of that this morning as we think about how much love do I have going into 2020? And when I use the word I, I'm inviting all of us to ask that question. It's not just specifically about me. How loved do you feel today? There may be people who are here today whose hearts are full. You feel, I am well and truly loved. There may be people here today who come feeling like, actually, when you talk about love and the love that I would love to feel, there's something missing. We may be in either of those camps. What kind of things can affect us in this? Well, events like today, I mean, I hope that Mark and Amy and Sefi feel well and truly loved today because of the friends and family that are coming together to celebrate with you because of the love that people have for you. You know, events, things that happen, can make us feel loved. But there are other things as well. Uh, the love of significant others or a significant other. That can make us feel well-loved in our hearts or feel like we are missing something. We could talk about the, uh, a special relationship with one other person. If all is going well and you're feeling really close, you can feel that your heart is full. If things are not going so well, you can feel like you're missing out on something. If you don't have a significant other or you have lost a significant other, it can affect how loved we feel. And it's not just about one other person. It can be within families as well. So it can be with our children and it can be with parents. It can be with friends as well. You know, friends who really care for us. We can have our hearts full from that or we can feel like we are missing something. Another place that can affect us about how loved we feel is how we feel about ourselves. Sometimes we might like ourselves, and sometimes we don't like ourselves so much. We might look at things that we have done, that we've got things wrong at times, and we might have feelings of guilt, or we might have feelings of shame. And these kind of things can mean that we don't like ourselves very much, so we don't really love ourselves, so how can anyone else really love us? We can feel like we are lacking something. And then there's something as well about where do we look for love? Where do we look for love? We can look for love in a number of ways. We can try and fit in with everyone else around us so that we feel like they will accept us. We can do all manner of things to try and feel accepted, speak in a particular way, dress in a particular way, act in a particular way in order to feel accepted. There are other things that we can do if we're we're not sure about our relationships with other people. We can try and fill the gap with love with other things like success, achievements, money, the possessions that we have, all of these kind of things to help us feel good in our hearts, perhaps if we feel especially that we're missing something, we're lacking something in our love that we are receiving. How much love do you feel today going into 2020? Is your heart full or do you feel there is something you are lacking? 
Now, I believe whether you feel like your heart is full or there is something missing, there is a really important thing to say. And that is simply this. God loves us. God loves you and God loves me. And his love is perfect. His love is completely faithful. It is enduring. It is perfect in every single way. Uh, And actually, my understanding of God tells me this. Whether we believe it right now or not, that his love for you and for me is immense. It couldn't be bigger. God loves us. And actually, I think we need to understand in this passage that we have read, that underpinning it all is this idea that God is love. We heard about commandments and obedience, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But underpinning it is love. Listen to verse 5 again. If anyone obeys his word, as I said, there's something about obedience here, God's love is truly made complete in him. God's love is made perfect in the love that we share, in being obedient to that call to love. But you see what happens, our love is a response to God's love. It all begins with the fact that God loves us. And that's a message that John is keen for us to understand. We've only read a small portion of his letter, but his letter goes on and tells us more things. Let me say some things from chapter 4. Verse 7 says this, love comes from God. Verse 19, he says, we love because he first loved God us. So the command to love we could not do if God didn't love us. And then we are also told this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What that means is he's talking about the fact that God loves us and reaches out to us to remove the gap that there is between us and him. It's taken up in this first verse. We heard it right at the beginning. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Now, a sin is something that we do that would hurt God because it separates us from him. So John says, don't do that. You know, because if somebody loves you, don't do the stuff that will hurt them and will drive a wedge between you and him. But... If anybody does do something like that, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now, for somebody to speak in our defense, he must love us. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He puts right what is wrong. He makes all that was wrong right so that we can be right with God and receive his love. God loves us. That's what we need to hear. Now, it's incredible love, isn't it? Because many of us will probably have experienced that moment where our love is rejected in some way 
and we experience the pain of being pushed away or being treated badly. And the temptation in those moments is to withdraw, to take ourselves away. The temptation is to build a a protective layer around us that says, I'm not going to let them in again to hurt me in the way that I was hurt before. God doesn't do that. You know, each one of us have pushed him away, have rejected him, have said no to him at times, have hurt him through the things that we have said and done. But God doesn't say, well, I'm going to move away. I'm going to separate myself from them. He says, I'm going to come closer to them to try and draw them closer to me because I love them so much. God is love. And what I want to say today is if you come and your heart feels full from a human perspective of the love and support that you have through other people, that is great. It is a taste of what God longs for all of us to experience when we experience and know his love. You see, even that isn't as great as God's love for us. There's something more and there's something better that he wants to show us. And if you come here and there's part of you that feels empty inside, I want to say to you, God's love, God loves you, and he wants you to experience something of that, so that which is missing is filled beyond what you could ever imagine. That's what God wants to do for us. That's how God loves us. Now, you might be here and thinking, well, how do I receive this love? It's all very well you talking about God's love, but how do I get it? I can't physically see God. What do I do? Let me say, if you feel that you have got something missing, or even if you haven't and your heart feels full, you can experience something new and even better through God's love. How do you get it? Ask him. Simply this. Just say to God. This is all you need to do. When we talk about prayer, it's about saying things that are on our heart to God. Dear God, I would love to receive your love. Please give it to me. Please help me experience it. I'm sorry for those times where I've pushed your love away, but please help me now to receive your love. Simple as that. How will you know if you've received it? It's a good question to ask after that, isn't it? You know, if you know what to do. How do I know if I've received it? There can be so many ways that that comes across. It could be something as simple as this. I feel better about myself. Actually, I've got a more positive attitude. I didn't like myself very much before, but I dare to believe that there's one who might think that I'm all right. It's as simple as that. It might be through a feeling of warmth that floods through us. And you say, well, where did that come from? And it's easy for us to write that off as, well, maybe the heating was off a bit higher than I expected. Just something like the warmth. It could hit us more than that. It could be tears. People cry because they experience the love of God. There's lots of different ways. But what I do believe is that God loves each and every one of us. And if we ask God and say, Lord, I want to receive that love, he will honor that for us and we will experience something of his love. How much love do you have going into 2020? Let me tell you, you have an amazing love from God who loves perfectly, who loves to give and give again. 
who longs for us to experience something more of his love and know his presence in our lives. How much love do you have going into 2020? An amazing amount through God. And that leads us on to a second question. How much love do you have to give? You know, as we experience God's love, it fills us up. Uh, let me show you a picture. I love this picture. Um, it, it says something, you know, we've had a dedication today. One of the things I haven't been particularly good at is writing down some of the wonderful, amazing, cute things that your little children do. Amy, do do that, because I think it would be a lovely record to have. But I really like this picture. This is, to give you the background first before I show you the picture, um, imagine that there is a politician on television who is apologizing because he has been accused of all kinds of expenses, and it looks like he's guilty. I don't know the full story behind it. But as he's speaking on television, he breaks down. And the little girl who's watching takes a tissue and wipes his eye. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, all the criticism that he was seeing in that particular moment and experiencing from lots of people. Now, he didn't know that was happening, but there was the love of a little girl who sees things differently, who sees tears and can wipe away the tears and can show love in that moment. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and what I want to suggest today, as we come to look at how much love we have we are able to give. That there's something about this idea of when we experience God's love, we can give it out in a different way. And that's what it means when John is talking about the fact that we have a new commandment that's an old one. It's both old and new. Because the very idea of love has been around for years and years. But actually, as you experience God's love, there's a new way in which you can show God's love. And uh, for Mark and Amy, just to use them as an example, because I think parenthood is a wonderful example of this. Mark and Amy are loving people. They came together as they got married in love. But my experience, and I suspect their experience as well, is in having a child, you learn to live differently, to love differently. Because a child requires a different element of love that nothing else prepares you for. You see, as a child who depends completely on you when they are born, that's a different way of showing love than it is to anyone else who has a level of independence. But the child who comes in depends when they wake up in the middle of the night. You know, if other people woke you up, you might get cross. You might still get cross with your child at times, but you respond to their need because they depend completely on you. There's a new way to love, a new way for parents to love. But as we experience God's love, there's a new way that we can love as well. And I want to talk about that in just a couple of ways, very briefly. I want to say something about how we obey his commands. And then there's also this part about not hating brother or sister. It says in verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And we're talking about the command to love. But there's something interesting about this word obey. Um, for a start, 
the root meaning of it means to guard something, to keep it special. So what it's saying is actually obey his commands, guard your love, keep it special. And that's important. You see, there are people who think that Christianity and churches, it's all about, it starts with obedience. You know, when you follow the rules, then you become part of everything and God can love you. It does not start with obedience. It starts with a God who loves us. Uh, and again, to use the parenting illustration with this, because I think it's such a wonderful way, and we address God as Father, and perhaps there's something in that relationship that we have between parents and children when it's done in a good way that helps us to understand something of God's love. And it's this. You know, as Sefi grows up, Mark and Amy will have various things that they won't let her do. She wants to go near to a fire. No. There's a rule there, I'm assuming. Yeah, you're making a note of that one. Yeah, that's great. Um, you, know, you, you have rules. You put things in place to help them grow up. Does that mean that Mark and Amy's relationship starts with Sefi as one of, it's about obedience? No, of course not. It's about love. Because what they're helping her to do is to grow up into a healthy young woman who is able to receive love and give love within a community. And actually, this is something we need to understand about obedience. You see, it starts with a God who loves us, but who wants the best for us. And so therefore, what he does is he says, this is the way that you should live. Follow this way, and you will have the best life possible. You will be healthy and happy. He's parenting us to bring us into a healthy place. We need to obey his commands, not because it starts with obedience, but because he wants the best for us. And then he says as well, going into the last part, says this, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Now, I should say here that when it's saying brother, it's uh, actually in this particular context, context, it's talking about brothers and sisters, so it's males and females. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But whoever hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. Now, for us, hate is a pretty strong word, isn't it? You know, if you ask me, do I hate anyone, I, I struggle to think of anyone that I hate. You know, that's not part of who I am. And maybe you're here and you would be in that same place. So you think, okay, that's fine then. Again, let me take you back to the root meaning of the word. It means loves less than we should. Let's change that reading for a moment. Anyone who claims to be in the light but loves his brother or sister less than they should is in the darkness. Now, suddenly, I find that very challenging. I don't know about you, because there are so many things that can distract me from love. This is where the idea of obeying, guarding something special is important. The call is to guard love in our lives, the love that we receive and the love that we give. 
are we guarding the love in our lives? Because again, I don't know about you, I speak for myself here. I know how easy it is to have good intentions, but get distracted along the way. And suddenly, whereas the new way of loving, if I was looking at the new way, what, does, what is being revealed as the new way of loving, I think it's something that Jesus shows us that is all about love being sacrificed and putting yourself second and willing to pay a cost for other people for their benefit. Now, actually, sometimes for us, love can be about how we feel. But love is more than that. It's about how we're giving it out. Are we able to give out the love that is sacrificial and that is costly for us? And that is quite a hard thing to do. And it's easy to let that slip. How much do we really value the opportunity to truly love? Let me suggest we will only ever really be able to do this if we have been filled and experience the love of God. just want to finish a picture of a cat. I was reading a survey this week. It was done in America. That might explain some of it when you hear it. Um, a survey of 2,000 people in America has found that churchgoers are less likely to own a cat than those who don't go to church. Apparently, it shows that on average, churchgoers own 1.4 pets compared to an average of two for those who don't go to church. Professor Samuel Perry from the University of Oklahoma said, cats could be seen as a God substitute. And the reason he gives for that is um, cats' love is all about themselves, and your cat is in control of the family household, which if you've got a cat, you may have discovered at one time or another. Now, I think our experience of cats is that they are more loving than that, generally. Um, but that's what he was saying. Now, I wonder, can we ever make love all about ourselves? It's about how I feel. It's about what I get. Because that's not the love that I understand from the Bible and it's not the love I understand from God. You see, God's love is all about giving to us. And he gives so generously. He gives faithfully, unchangingly, enduringly, with perfection. And we can receive that, and it's truly amazing. And as we do, we can be transformed to change the way that we live, and the way that we love, so that we are more generous, more faithful, more enduring in what we offer. And that's the kind of world that I want to live in. And for those of us who have experienced God's presence and his love, I can say that that's something of what I receive. Not as well as I could, but I do receive it. And it makes a difference. Maybe you are here today and you have never asked God for his love. Let me encourage you to think about doing that today. What have you got to lose? Absolutely nothing and everything to gain. Maybe you are here today and as you look at your life, you know that actually in some way you need to be able to give out 
more love, to be more generous in the way that we love. Perhaps we haven't guarded love as well as we could have. Perhaps we love others less than we should. Maybe there's something we can do to change that today. Maybe God can change our hearts. I believe he can transform us in just a moment and change our lives forever. Maybe today is that day for you. Amen.